it's another week. That means it's also time for another episode of Cincy Brewcast, your favorite Cincinnati beer podcast. Hosted by me, your favorite Cincinnati beer blogger, the Gnarly Gnome. The show uh, is brought to you. I need to do this more often and tell you everybody that makes this show possible. It's brought to you by, of course, all of the fantastic breweries here in Cincinnati and all of the generosity that they extend to uh, to sit down and, and make it happen. And, of course, by Cincy Brew Bus, our wonderful sponsor, the, uh, the, the greatest beer tour here in town. So thanks to Mike Stokes and everybody at Cincy Brew Bus for making this show happen uh, week after week. We are recording semi-live, I don't even know what this is called today, at Braxton Labs. We're talking to a few different people about a few different things, uh, so it's going to be kind of all over the place for me. Hopefully it sounds normal to you guys, but we're going to kick things off right off the bat. Uh, today is bottle release day for Braxton Labs, so yeah. And we're joined by Evan Rouse, of course, of Braxton Brewing Company, and... I think still the reigning uh, most appearances on Cincy Brewcast. <laughs> I think I have to go double check that, but it's a plus one. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a couple people that are that are chomping at your heels, but I think I think you've got it. Um, so this show is going to be an interesting one. We're going to bounce around to a couple different topics, but since we're here at Braxton Labs, just coincidentally on a day of a bottle release. Yep. Um, we need to talk about that a little bit and talk about some of the other stuff that's going on with Braxton because it seems like there's always some crazy stuff going on. You know, we're hearing stuff about rooftop decks and all kinds of stuff. So, oh, yeah. um, so the bottle release, it's uh, bourbon barrel aged oatmeal stout. Um, the, I think you guys called it the first bourbon barrel release from Braxton labs. It's kind of true. Kind of not. I dark charge, yeah. but it is, think this really cool hyper local thing too with the barrels coming from the other side of the parking lot from new riff and um the coffee coming from caravello who um we you know teamed up with you guys for the starter stuff it it's a really neat beer i, I should have done that i should have grabbed myself a sample so i could talk about it while i was drinking really it good. but um so just tell me a little bit about it um yeah absolutely so we uh this is this was zach uh zach Banky's our lead innovation brewer this was his kind of uh, project. So we worked out a deal with uh, New Riff uh, after taking over the, the location here that they we'd let them use our forklift whenever they needed it because uh, that's what they were working out with Eight Ball. Uh, and in for if for return, we get two freshly dumped bourbon barrels a month. That's funny. Uh, so they had given us like four or five uh, right off the bat and said, "Here's for when have May or June or uh, whatever." And from there, we just we took them and one of the beers that we had just put on tap was a was the Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Uh, but we had taken off a couple of the base barrels uh, of beer without adding any adjuncts to it. I think the one that went on tap was uh, cocoa nibs and cherry. I believe. I think it's is it. I think it's on up there right now. I think I saw that cherry and cocoa nibs. Maybe it was on a list. I was. It, I don't know. It might be. Up I don't there. know. But uh, yeah, we took that without, without the adjuncts and we put it into the uh, OKI New Riff bourbon barrels. Um, and we were actually pretty shocked. We had to rerun the analysis uh, through our alkalizer a couple times because the, the base beer was right around 7, 7.2%. Uh, and when we went to bottle it, uh, the alkalizer <laughs> spit out 11.7%. I mean, you don't get much fresher then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They dumped them and walked them right down the street. Um, 
And uh, so we, we talked to Brian Sprantz over at New Rip. He said, yeah, mostly you see, you'll see at least three, a 3% gain. That's crazy. Uh, so we got it up to 11.7 and then uh, worked with Carabello Coffee to get their tandem espresso roast. Added two pounds per barrel of whole bean coffee. We didn't crush it up or, or anything. Just let the whole bean sit in there for five or six days before pulling it from the barrels. Um, so really happy with how it turned out. You get really, really, really forward notes of bourbon. Uh, the vanilla, the caramel, the, the oak uh, tannins, and then the coffee is just right there. Well, and, and using the oatmeal stout as the base, I think, is... is you know, I love big, kind of heavy, rich, big beers when you're when you're pairing them up with some of those bourbon barrels. And an oatmeal stout is just the perfect base yep. to, to build off of. It's got a great mouthfeel, so it really just kind of pulls all of those characteristics together into one one beer, which is it's, awesome. It's a fun new release for you guys. I So, I... I don't think I understood when Braxton Labs opened how much of a focus packaging w- was going to be out of this place. You've got those really great signature look bottles, bottles. now, you know, the, the 500 milliliter bottles. You, you see it and you know exactly where it's from. Not just Braxton, but the lab specifically. I don't, I don't think we knew that it was going to be packaging focused either. <laughs> but but we, we had that. We invested in a new bottling line at HQ, and we it has the, the ability to do. It's like fifteen or sixteen different. Types is this of is this the bottling line that's trying to that's, package that's my uh, snow the, shovel? That's the one that's not currently functioning right now. It won't let us package snow shovel. I brought my bucket and my Phil's filler from Listerman in my car just in case I need to go bottle my own bottles today. We have uh, they overnighted a part to my 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 house actually, so I can get it installed this weekend. So hopefully that fixes it. But uh, but yeah, we we have the ability to do all these different bottle diameters and heights, uh, and we agreed that you know. We only do limited releases of bottles at Braxton occasionally. Right. You know, you've got Dark Charge and you've got Union and a couple others, but we really wanted to make sure we had a reason to put the bottling line to use. Uh, and it made perfect sense to to take some of the beers we make here and do bottle releases. Well, and the the dry hop saison with those cool big champagne style bottles and like it, there's there's a there's a look to it. And I know that some people kind of give breweries a little shit when they when they market and I. Yeah. I drives me crazy because i i love that side of you know it's it's almost you're expected to make good beer we expect that to come out of here so that now what now what's that other part and you guys are are really nailing it on so you know from from the glassware to the bottles to just the the events that you put on like there's all these other aspects of it that you guys are just clicking perfectly on right now and it's it's really fun to watch it's been fun to watch thank you it's been a a blast it really has we (laughs) We ended up choosing that iconic bottle for Labs. So anytime you see a Labs beer, it should be in that 500 mil bottle. It, it's something that we don't see many people use. Um, and then you've got the, I think this is called the Trento glass that most of the Braxton Labs beers come. Like, we just really wanted to make sure that it all ties together. Right. It's kind of the idea. It's, it, it's, Labs is very different from Braxton. It feels different. It looks different. But there are there's lots of little things too that you see that like oh yeah well that that makes sense it's Braxton you see that Braxton kind of stamp on things and it's uh it's 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 done absolutely perfectly I I, I couldn't imagine it being better you know right. from uh on the the bigger side of things you know, your your Friday note went out and you talked about how you guys just hired a COO is that yep. chief operations officer to kind of get you back into some other aspects that you might have been. Um, not yeah. <laughs> yeah. no that's really really exciting um, the coolest part about that whole transition and bringing in a COO is that COO is my dad uh, so Greg's going to join the company's first days uh, January 29th 
Um, he's been in operations for 36 years. He knows operations. He knows process right. and procedure. And it's something that we've kind of been lacking for a while. Um, to just really kind of come in and just refine our processes and make them more efficient. Uh, all while just taking a load off of my plate so I don't have to focus on that aspect. Um, currently, I've got the entire packaging and warehousing teams and the entire brewing teams reporting to me. So it's like 16 people. Uh, so you take that and then managing the process and procedure that goes along with three facilities. We've got a warehouse that acts as our distribution right. facility. Uh, and then two brewing facilities, HQ and, and labs. And um, you get inundated with just loads and loads of work and shit breaking. And you're just not really... There was no focus to sit down and say, okay, I had this awesome beer. I want to try to recreate it. Um, and so getting back into that, I'm really, really excited. You're, you're not coming home with hop dust in your hair or anything Correct. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, uh, like I said in the, the, the Friday note, I, I surprised myself with how efficient I've become in, in Microsoft Excel. Uh, it's pretty cool, <laughs> but, uh, but well, boring at the same time. So we, we're really excited. We're, gonna, we're changing some things up at labs as well. Um, in the coming months, you'll see a brand new brew house go in. We're going to take out wow. what we have uh, and replace it with a much more efficient uh, brew house that's Clo- designed closer by. match to what you guys yeah. have over at HQ. The big thing is, is you know, when we talked with with Mitch and and the previous owners, um, the the brew house was designed by a company that designs distilling equipment. They right. never made a brew house before. They admitted they don't make brewery equipment, um, and it shows. We're able to brew pretty consistently on it. Um, but we don't have, I wouldn't say we have the fine touch that we have that we, that, like we do at HQ. Um, we know that system like the back of our hand, and this one's got a lot of different intricacies that we've not really um, kind of, not necessarily understood, but just really owned. Um, so we're, we're ripping that one out. And most likely, um, working on the final details, we're trying to put in a small pilot system as well. So like a three- or five-barrel system that would scale between the 15 or HQs right. uh, and go from there. So the idea there would be that I would just kind of play on the three-and-a-half-barrel or five-barrel system. Uh, still have a lot to so, finalize. So there, you, you, you basically started a brewery to... Um, go back to homebrewing. <laughs> That's essentially what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it down, scaling it back down uh, to get to the point where, I mean, because if you think about it, we do a lot of different test batches, whether it's at uh, our Covington location or here. Um, and when you're brewing 15 or 20 barrels at a time, that, those raw material costs add up right. really quick, uh, especially if you're talking fresh fruit or purees or cocoa nibs or coffee or you know, fruity pebbles all, yeah all, or fruity pebbles <laughs> we'll, in this case. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute on the show <laughs> yeah, all, all of those things add up really quick and if you scale it down to three and a half or five barrels um you know it, it financially it doesn't hurt as much if you just toss in the drain um and and you have enough to put on tap if it turns out stellar right like in for a three and a half barrel system i could fill two bourbon barrels Right. Um, you know, so so there's a, it's a perfect size, I think. Um, working with our equipment supplier, most likely it'll be a an oversized three and a half barrel system that'll it'll technically be a five barrel system, but designed to brew three and a half barrel batches, especially high grab, very efficiently. Right. There's there's a few nano breweries all across Cincinnati right now that are just tearing up just a little <laughs> bit. Damn, <laughs> I I think I was. Uh, um, on Big Sis Brew Day this this year, I was standing up on the brew deck with Bob, and he looked back at your your other one barrel pilot system. He's like, "Yep, there's our whole brew house." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, but they got more fermenters for it." <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's it's funny to see those those different pieces that all come together to make up what you know oh, yeah. not, not just you know Cincinnati craft as a whole but even you know you look at it with Braxton now and you see these other little pieces that are coming together to build this 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 foundation of what Braxton is now and is going to become and um, it's it's like I said it's you know it's been fun to watch it the timing has been the exciting part with Braxton with the show and, and how everything has, has, you know, coincided and watching you guys grow up as, as we grow much smaller, but we grow, it's been, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a ton too. Right. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see where we continue to go from here. Right. Um, I think, I think the, the part that I'm most excited about is really just getting back into, back into the swing of things, back into brewing, writing recipes and, and seeing them from grist to glass and seeing how that correlation actually turns out. So I'm, I'm excited, uh, really excited to get back into that. And, you guys just announced that you're moving up into Columbus also, which I, you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit on the show. That's the last uh, trip that I took with the wife. We went to Columbus okay. for a week because she had to work up there. And she, so I brought the baby and just kind of hung out in the hotel all day, hung out in the hotel. And so I'm like, well, I'm just, you know, me and the baby, we're going to go, we're going to make our rounds. We're going to, we're going to see what we can see. There's a lot of, there's a lot of breweries up there, yeah. but there's not the level of quality that there is here in Cincinnati. It's a market that I think is prime for a couple of the places down here to kind of start moving up there and say, hey, yeah, we were. I mean, look we, what we're doing. <laughs> we, were, we, we had laid out, so later, or late in 2017, we sat down. We Every year we take an off-site trip with the entire leadership team uh, for four or five days. Uh, this year we went to Asheville, North Carolina, had a cabin up in the mountains, and just kind of recapped 2016, or 2017 rather, and planned 2018. And so when we listed out growth opportunities and we talked about new markets, um, you know, our focus has always been uh, grow deep before growing wide. Right. So we're really just trying to push distribution and velocity in our home markets. And it's really working. Um, but we, we started listing out cities that we wanted to be in. Um, and we listed out by what personally we wanted from a company that we wanted <laughs> to see. And then we started looking back at the most requested city. So Columbus was number one, the city that would just emails, social media, uh, all of the above would just constantly ask us, where are you at in Columbus? Can I get you in Columbus? When will you be in Columbus? Um, and so it just made perfect sense. You know, we go all the way up to Dayton. Uh, why not go a step further and hit Columbus? Right. Uh, I've spent a lot of time there. I've got some buddies that live up there, and I'm really excited to have my beer up there. Uh, well, how does that spread down into, like, Athens, too? I don't know if that's considered it, Columbus. It, it will be in Athens. Um, so it's... I, we had a whole conversation on if we wanted to just focus on Columbus or if we'd hit Athens as well. And we're going to launch both uh, at the same time just so we can get a better understanding of what it's going to look like volume-wise. Right. Um, but you'll have Athens and you'll have Columbus. That's fun. And it's 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 fun seeing you guys kind of stretch out into these other places and and become what, what, what you are. And Absolutely. It's... Every time we do it, we learn something new. So <laughs> I'm sure we're going to learn something new this time, too. Any other fun stuff coming up that we need to know about that we need to talk about? I mean, the biggest thing would probably be the, and I don't have too many details to share, but I can tell you that uh, last week we had final, we were given final approval from the city of Covington to move forward with our rooftop project. Well, there was a there was a hardware store that told me that it was probably going to be rickety and fall apart or something. That's not going to happen, right? Correct. Okay, uh, that hardware something store that I read. Is, is, <laughs> that hardware store, although we spent a lot of money every month with them because it's super convenient. Um, for whatever reason, is strongly against just about everything we do. <laughs> um, so, so we've we've 
stop spending money at these stores <laughs> as he publicly opposed everything we've been trying to do in front of the city. I uh, just, I, I, it's one thing to say, oh, that's going to bring in more people and crowd our street. And I, I can understand that kind yeah, of an argument, yeah. but that it's going to be unsafe and collapse was, yeah. <laughs> was a funny way to, to go about it. Yeah, it, it's just that whole thing has turned really weird. But no, we've got we've got the top engineering team and the top architects and design teams on it. It's going to be structurally sound with all the safety <laughs> precautions that we need to have for a rooftop bar. You guys we, aren't just going to go up there with a hammer and nails yeah, and figure like, it out. Throw a couple pallets up. Just don't fall <laughs> off the edge over there. No, it's going to be a it's going to be an awesome. Um, and the uh, the event space, I think um, that's finally debuting here yeah. soon. Yep, uh, officially, yeah, we're really excited there. It's uh, I think we've got a party coming up at the end of this month uh, to kind of really kick off. We've had several events in there that have kind of people that have reached out right. and asking if we can host. Um, and we're learning and we're fine tuning and we're really just kind of get that streamlined so that when it comes time to start marketing this thing um, it's a great it's a great space um, you can get about 100 people in there uh, full liquor uh, liquor uh, car um, right. so it'd be neat well that's that's one thing you know, kind of jumping topics a little bit about Braxton Labs too that I think people don't realize is how good of an actual bar it is like it's not it's, it doesn't punch you in the face when you walk in here that it's a full bar but you guys it, you have the advantage of being right here by the party source and getting some really good stuff. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic bourbon selection. Yeah, here. yeah. And my understanding, I don't have confirmation yet, but I was talking to Jake the other day. He's got he's got a lot of really, really ultra-premium bourbons coming in uh, in the very near future. Awesome. So there should be, you'll be able to see some really, really popular, well-sought-after That's fun. That's fun. So, well, thank excited. you very much. We, um, we're going to talk to some of the people from the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Guild, and by going to, I already did. This is, this is weird. <laughs> so we're going to talk about what else is going on here at Braxton Labs today, in addition to this bottle release, and um, looks like there's a brewery tour here today, too. So Lots of stuff. This would be a good day to take a brewery tour, if you could hit all of those releases yeah, on a bus. <laughs> Alright, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. We'll be back with, uh, with Dave Dixon and Udi Unterreiner. Is it Reiner or Reiner? Reiner. Ah, shit. I get it wrong every time. That's all right. Maybe he'll correct me. He does. <laughs> we'll be back. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. Malt and the hops. They bring their base malt of choice and they're in two yeast strains. They then, once we reveal the secret ingredient, and the grains and the hops, they have 45 minutes to formulate a recipe, turn it into us, and then brew their beer. Now, naming the yeast, naming the style, everything before they start. So, do they know any of the ingredients at all? None, nothing? nothing. So, but yeast, you can, you can use whatever yeast that the teams want? One of two, you can only have two strains. <laughs> all right. Two strains, and I mean, and you can bring, you know, you could bring, you know, you could bring, um, Munich, you can bring, uh, you know, Pilsner, you can bring Turo, you can bring Maris Odd or whatever you want, and then choose what you want. Um, you know, some of the folks, I heard one guy brought Munich, but didn't bring anything else, and he seemed to kind of, so he's doing a, a I think he's doing a, a double box, or a, yeah, some type of variant like that. we got some, several things going on here, but the, the premise is, is that once we reveal the secret ingredient, then you formulate your recipe. And you've got to kind of scramble around trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to use it. How are you going to use it? I mean, we give them enough of the for example, we gave them a pound of, of, of 55 crystal. For guys that are homebrewers out there, uh, 50, crystal 55, we gave them a pound of Vienna. We gave them a half a pound of roasted uh, barley. We gave them a pound of chocolate 
and a pound of flaked oats and a pound of carrot pills. Yeah. Then we gave him three ounces of Magnum hops, three ounces of Citra. Oh, pardon me, two ounces of Magnum, three ounces of Citra, and three ounces of Fuggles. All right. <laughs> and then we gave. Then you had your choice of a big family size box from Sam's, the two pack box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Fruity Pebbles. Or Reese's Puffs. No, you had your choice, but it was it was not choice. It was a random choice. It was they, no, <laughs> it wasn't it, a choice at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, it was it was you, a random draw because you, you we wrapped picked, them. Uh, they, they were all wrapped like packages. Yes, and it was. And that was a spin this year. Now there's a, some clubs like how this started. Uh, it started with I was a home I homebrewed. I started homebrewing down in uh, Dallas Fort Worth when I lived down there. I was part of the Net Hoppers, one of the founding fathers. Right. And a guy by the name of John Shank started this down there, I think, late 90s, early 2000s. And we did the first Iron Mash down there, where basically Raw Brewing gave us everything. You know, here, here's big piles of grain, piles of specialty grain, everything. You came in there, you paid your 50 bucks. It was, it was more expensive. Uh, and then, you know, it went from four brewers. Now, I think they have they had 45 teams this year participate That's down crazy. there. And they were, they were, that was written up in uh, uh, Zymergy many, many years ago. But there's, a, I know the Abak does it in, in, in Lexington. Everybody has their own spin on it. Our thought was is that we have it right now within our club. We're thinking about opening up maybe to the local clubs in Cincinnati next year. There's potential for a really big, fun event. Absolutely. But we wanted to work out the kinks first. Uh, we try to keep the cost down by, um, you know, not providing the baseball. The baseball, you know, you know, depending on what you're wanting to brew. You know, Braxton has been amazing in donating yeah. uh, the, the grain and the hops for us. Right. Uh, the only cost out of our pocket is the special ingredients. So we have, um, you know, that's what the, the, the entry fee is for. And we give a really nice handmade stein, one of a kind. We've had it two years. The first year we did chirobus, lavender, yeah, and true that, fruit. That was definitely one of the learning years because it was it was a lot more expensive and a lot more right. difficult for everybody. And, you know, everybody's coming up with a general same flavor to their beer which with like, this you know we're getting a variation and the idea, you know the, the the cereal is a secret ingredient mm-hmm. it's one of those types of ingredients that it's possible you've thought about this before it's possible that this idea oh, has kind of plenty. bounced around and you've, you've explored we had, the idea of using it we had since we knew what that way they were we knew that if we got cinnamon toast crunch we'd be doing a southern brown ale if we got what we got we're doing a best bitter yeah, we just narrowed it down to an English beer, right. and then figured this morning was you right. know best bitter would be. And then if we would have got fruity pebbles, we were going to do a blonde or like a session IPA. That's fun. I, so, what are some of the other ingredients that have been in? So this is the the, this the, the third, third year. year. So we got so the first year we had chai robus, true fruit, and lavender. Right. Last year we had uh, smoked chili, uh, ginger. Uh, I can't even remember now. It's looked, it looked ginger. There's a there's a rundown. One of the, the members um, has a website, you know, Beer Nerd right, Alert. Right. He's got a pretty good rundown on there, and I can't read. I was reading about it the other day just to kind of get caught up on what, what happened last year. Oh, that was uh, oh, uh, Schuler, Mike Schuler. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He. Um, well, see, Mike, Mike. I know that I know the the, 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 the smoked peppers were on there. That's the only one that right, I can think right. of off the top of my head. There was ginger. There was uh, something else in there too. I can't remember. I have to go back and look at my notes. I have them. Well, sure, uh, I can probably pull it up while you're talking. Oh, I got it right here. Come on, <laughs> a second. I love. Uh, yeah. How do you guys come up with the uh, the secret ingredient? Uh, it's I, we just uh, there are a handful of us. We just kicked the ideas around for a while. This year was a little bit rougher. We. We almost dropped the ball on it, I would say. Couldn't decide back and forth through emails and messaging and stuff, trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we started out with, with fruit, 
trying to get a different maybe styles of fruit, and then then what do we do? Dry fruit, fresh fruit, right. uh, like a, 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 an extract syrup type thing. It, that turned to be too difficult to get the uh, ingredients for. So it would, I don't know. I think that guys have used the cereal, and so just somebody mentioned it and went, okay, well, let's pick a couple of kinds of cereal that we think that you know people be able to work with. It was good. it was it was ginger maple syrup and Braxton. Uh, it was starter coffee. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it turned out that that was, that was a really good one, too. One thing we've started, you know, so to kind of give you the history of what's happened is the first year, um, Mike Schuler won, and we had we knew everything. We came in second. So last year, we won, but we couldn't win. So Mike came in second because he won the Stein. So, um, He's the guy to beat still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's fun. It's uh, it, I think it shows creativity. I think it shows, um, you know, we give them enough to get almost where they want to go. Then you have to maybe do some brewing techniques or something like that. Like last year, John had an, um, made an, uh, he did something. We did a Belgian double last year, and we ha- we should not have done a Belgian. There's no way we should have gotten there with what we did. But what we did is we did a continuous ramp mash, which gave us that complex. Wait, 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 wait. A continuous ramp mash. You, you got to go back a little bit and explain that. Well, basically, <laughs> John's the best one to do it. He's the one who brought this to the table. But people do it for saisons to kind of give it some character. So basically, you're continually mashing and ramping it up slowly from, like, say, uh, your protein rest at 119 all the way up to stratification at uh, or sacrification at. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm you got me. I, I, that's right about 152. You know, well. uh, and so John's the one. When you get John in here, ask so him about. You're talking about just temperature. Temperature, temperature yeah. Just temperature. Yeah. Just kind of rolling mm-hmm. it up gradually. So same. I mean, and I'm probably going to get all kinds of emails. Kind of the same idea. Kind of like decoction. Yeah, where it's, well, it's right, well, but you're not decocting. You're not it's, pulling it off, boiling it, bring it up. You're, you, what you're doing is you're starting off at, like, say, your protein rest, and then you ramp up to the next level. Then you ramp up to the next level. So what you're doing is you, you're not, you're not, you're not bringing it, you're not bringing it up. Decoction, you pull a, you pull thirty percent right. of the grain off. You, br- you bring that up to the next rest. Then you boil it and then add it back. Right. Oh. To my understanding, it's just. I'm going to get it at each different like, temperature. Like three days yeah, from Andy yeah. Reynolds at Alexandria, kind of explaining it all. <laughs> we were talking about ramp mash, so that's basically it's not, we're not doing we're not doing um, a decoction. It's basically going from. Um, no, it's not a decoction at all. You're not you're not using. Yeah, it's not a decoction at all. You're not using the the boiling of warden grain to get to that next step to raise the temperature of the mash when you do that. It's actually, on my system, it's a, an electric-controlled harm system. So it's just going to continuously generate heat and take it up slowly. Usually I do it over about an hour and a half. I'll go all the way through the different rests, all the way up to sack rest, sit there for a minute. And, and that just layers, build layers of, of, of... Yeah, so what I did it for the Saison in my research is that there were some traditional-style Saisons that were done in that regard. So I wanted to try it, supposedly very good, thick, stiff head retention, because in a good Belgian beer, you want a big, thick, dense head, right? Um, and it actually worked out really well. The body was fantastic. The head stood up bright and tall. Uh, it actually worked out really well. So I did it once, had a lot of success with it, so I stick with it. And it was just one of those things. It was an experiment. It was There was some reports of this is kind of a classic style that a very particular famous uh, Saison was brewed. 
in this methodology, so I figured I'd give it a go. And, 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 and the nice thing about it was is that the, the Belgian double came out really nice because with the, the smoked Chipotle and then the Braxton coffee, you know, the starter coffee built kind of into it because we did was we mashed some of it and then we put some of it in the boil at the end, kind of like a steeping, and it just it was really really nice because by mashing it we built. All the flavors in a non-volatile, so they were locked in when you build the sugar molecule. Right. So then it carried all the way. I mean, through. I, I say right like that makes sense to me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, man. It built into the sugar molecule. At least that's what Dave assumes. That's what I'm we're going with. Go with it, yeah. It doesn't. You know, how's our bowl going? Now? It, it definitely doesn't fall off. We noticed that with some of the beers that we did that way by mashing the ingredients, that even a year later, like a lot of those ingredients I would have expected to fall off were still pretty strong in the beer. So, well, and that's some variety of difference by. That makes a little more sense putting to me. It like earlier in the process. There's some later. adjuncts when you get a beer with it and it and it sits in your cellar for right. even a, a fairly short amount of time. You open up and you're like, well, where did that go? It was really strong when I had right. this on tap, and then it's gone. But you know, we, the, nice, the nice thing about this is we have the ability to do this as homebrewers. I mean, you, uh, right. Well, when that was, you know, you talk about this this ramp mashing technique, and like, is that something that people are doing on a commercial level now? That I mean, <laughs> I mean, it sounds sounds, sounds cool. complicated. <laughs> I mean, but and, and there's a lot of things that I see homebrewers doing that that are extremely cool. And then you look at it and like, well, you couldn't do that on a big system. Like, there's no way that that would work, or that it would be, you know. I think a lot of those things are, are, are risky when you get to that level, and if you screw it up, you're losing a lot more beer right. than five or ten gallons that you do at home. So, well, and I guess that is something that's that's a little more fun about a place like Braxton Labs, where they have a little bit of leeway to try things like that that may not work out. As sure. As, How cool is it that we're actually having Iron Mash here at Braxton <laughs> it Labs? Makes, it makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, the idea came from the other homebrew club. Right. What, what, what happened was John, Eddie, and I were sitting at my house about three, four years ago, and we were talking about what can we do something cool for the club because we used to do. Um, where at the Christmas party, you would draw and you had to turn a beer in with you know with whatever ingredient you drew, right? But you didn't do it together. So we were sitting there, and I says, you know, we used to do this thing down in Texas called the Iron Mash. Remember that yeah, we were sitting yeah, there, we were yeah. drinking beer outside on the bar outside. Yeah. And we kind of said, well, wow, let's run with this. And we, you know, we pulled it together the first year and it was cool. I mean, we've had basically the same, the same team, the same folks that are out here have hit, have hit it every year with us, except for one team couldn't make it today. Um, we got a few extra. Uh, oh, yes, we did. Year, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we always try to do things and think of things that include the way our the way our club is structured is is really a community getting everybody together not not just saying hey i I brewed this beer at home by myself and then you bring it in and share with guys it's it's a it's an experience that we try to get everybody involved in and the more ideas we can come up with to get everybody out and and as long as we have you know the showing that we do now like i I think it'll it'll be great it just keeps getting better and keeps bringing the community of homebrewers together well and it's such a you know going back to having it here it's such a neat place to do it you know everybody that walks in the store looks over can see through the glass and see you guys all other room what's going on there yeah what's more of that interest and more of that well this is actually the 2017 iron man so it's 2017 plus one because gotcha. <laughs> we were going to do it in november and 
life happens, things couldn't happen, so we couldn't do it. So we were actually changing it. We used to do it, I try to do it in October, November time frame. It's just not working. There's too many things going on around the holidays. So we're going to do it in the first week, first weekend in August this year. So the 2018 will be in August. And we're working with uh, Evan to see if we can have it here again in lab. So in the summertime, it'd be nice. It'd be great to be brewing oh, out yeah. there underneath the, uh, oh, yeah. the beer garden. So okay. it'd be nice for people to kind of yeah kind of mingle out there and, and what are you guys doing? What's going on? Right. And just be able to talk and kind of spread a little bit of that homebrew kind of. Uh, well, it kind of goes back to you know Evan and he you know that's the, you know the garage the you know homebrewing you know how Evan started in the homebrewing it it. it Braxton supporting us like they do is amazing. I mean, um, you know, I'm, you know, I, I call, I'm very proud to call myself Evan's friend and being part of a Braxton. Um, and this is the way they give back to the home brewing community. You know, we just had the um, blown gasket competition. Right. Um, you know, we had over 50, 50 entries uh, that yeah. we judged and, uh, you know, got some really amazing versions of beard is very near and dear to my heart uh so i mean is this a, it's when they this, do the, the hammer down every year yes that, 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 that's going to be also i'm going to give, I'm gonna give a little plug here uh hammer down uh homebrew competition at braxton um it's hammer down dot nky guild dot, dot uh org yeah we'll post a link on the show but yeah we're uh entries um be so check it out because the uh entries will be coming up soon uh, and start brewing for that. Yeah, I think all the information's out there as far as when when uh, it's April twenty. April twenty first is yeah. the uh, is the, the actual yeah, yeah event. So, and and all of our yeah all the information for that is out there. Neither one of us are yeah on the, web, the guys website. That we'll, on the we'll, website, get, so. we'll get it to the gnome. He can put it on his site too. Yeah, I'll put it up there. So, you know, home brewing in general, I think it's it's interesting now to see how it's changing and evolving in in a city like Cincinnati. You know it. I've drifted away from it because of all of the breweries. I see other people going that complete opposite direction where they get into beer because of the breweries, which then turns them on to home brewing. And it's like it's it's an interesting evolution of things. You know, it used to be people homebrewed because there wasn't good beer to drink. You know, that's kind of how it started to get big. And then, well, you know, also too, you it, you look at the trends too. It's usually, when the economy was down, people started to homebrew because you know, you know, but. They're breaking that mold now. I mean, it's it, you know back in the day is when when economy was down and you know and you wanted to get some really good beer. Maybe it's because you couldn't get good beer. If you could get good beer, it's very expensive. So you know what? If you can go out there and you can make a beer that's close to the style of beer that you could go buy, it's going to cost you, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars a six pack. You, know, you, you would do it. You know now I think people do. You know, home brewing is it, it's it becomes it's almost like a, a chef or an art. I mean, there's certain things that you can do and think outside the box versus, you know, I have to brew this beer the same way every time to make sure it's the same way every time because that's what the people are used to getting. So you have, there's a delicate balance. It's, it's also interesting. You've got, you know, breweries like, like Mad Tree who, you know, you can get online and look at any one of their recipes and try to do it yourself. And like, it's this, this fun other kind of side to being a fan of a brewery or of a beer and like, being able to break it apart and kind of put your own spin on it or just try to replicate what they do and it's neat. I've done that a lot and I think that's the, the a great thing about all these these local breweries and even you know the the, the ones you get you know that get distri- distributed 
you know, nationally and stuff. If you find a beer that you really, really love, a huge part of homebrewing is being able to try to figure out how to make that. I remember I had um, Sip of Sunshine for the first time, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I went, I got to try to make this. And I, I mean, I made one. It wasn't near as good as that is, but but there's a huge fun part in that. And and so yeah, the the like you were saying, the, the, it goes both ways where people find the the craft beer scene and then from that get into home brewing or the home brewers that go well you know all of us love beer so we're going to go out to the support the you know the breweries and you know replicate all the the fantastic stuff that places like you know yeah mad tree braxton rhine guys all those guys have these amazing beers that you know yeah why wouldn't you want to make it at home and fill a five gallon keg (laughs) well i'm curious to how many people now are getting into home brewing with the idea that they can then move into the commercial side at some point. Like, I wonder if there is more of that happening uh, versus, I mean, I'd be, probably need to sit down and talk to one of the guys that owns a homebrew shop or something like that and see how they see that happening. Well, you know, it's, I can tell you this, it's a dream. I guarantee you, when I made my first batch and it was a British ale that I brewed on my stove, I then carried my my blue, you know, the canning pot, the blue, you know, the blue speckle pot oh, yeah. down the hallway where the handles creaking. I thought they were going to come undone. Put it in my bathtub, <laughs> ran cold water around it, bottle conditioned it, and I thought it was the best beer. And I still have a bottle of that beer left <laughs> from 1996. And um, I thought that was the best beer in the world because I made it. At the end of the day, it's whether it's whether it's spot on or whether it's not it's at the end of the day it's all about the the process you go through and that there is a reward at the end and it's very exciting at least it is to me i'm very passionate i'm getting excited talking about this now <laughs> well there's so many aspects of it that are so much fun for different types of people you've got the you know the the tinkerer side where it's, mm-hmm. it's building this 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 brew system and always like john just yeah always always, <laughs> yeah. always, yeah. always evan always, that, yeah, yeah that's not me Gary. always <laughs> adding things and making it work better and faster and, 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 and easier and like there's that whole side and then there's the recipe side, those those nerds that, that, that absolutely love that side, you know. That then, would be Michael Schuler, yeah. I mean, there's like there's <laughs> such different types of people that are attracted to this for so many different reasons. So, so where do it's I fall? Out. Where do I fall in that in that? Uh, well, you stopped building your system probably 15 years ago and stuck <laughs> with it, so you'd probably be more of a recipe process guy. I'd give you that. So, question for you: Your dessert, you're stuck on a deserted island the rest of your life. Uh huh. You can have one beer to drink, like as much of it, kind of, okay. as much of it as you an want. Island? An, an island. You're stuck on a deserted island. Do you got to think climate for sure. <laughs> no. Oh man. I mean, we're sitting in, in Braxton Lab, so my first instinct is to go uh, to go dead below, tropical style. But I didn't say. I didn't. I said deserted island, not a tropical island. Well, <laughs> my island better be tropical. <laughs> no, the only reason why I say that, and I ask that, I'm just kind of joking, because whenever we do a pilot batch... You ask at, me in an hour, it'll be a different answer. That's the thing. Whenever we do a pilot batch at, at Braxton, I would always ask... Every, at the beginning, I said, I'm going to ask you two questions at the end of the brew day. One, what did you learn? And two, I, you know, then I, I don't... I, you know, you're stuck on a deserted island the rest of your life. You have one beer to drink, one beer only. What is that beer, and why? So... 
Yeah, you got to be more specific with your island, I think. You're, no, you you're, don't. You're, no, you're, you don't. You're really <laughs> telling everybody. I like all the questions that you it's bring your, up. It's your interpretation. Uh, it's your interpretation of the island. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, if, I'm, if it's a tropical island, I need to, it, and I have refrigeration. I mean, you, there's all kinds of fun things you can go there with, you know, filters and uh, Chimay Red. <laughs> See, I, the reason why is because guess what? If he keeps the monks alive when they're fasting, hey, come on! I mean, if you, and you didn't say what kind of food sources were on the island. Like, that's, but that's the, okay. You're walking through a forest. You come to a wall. Tell me how you get over the wall and why. Um, <laughs> that's an interview question I usually use. By the way, <laughs> we, we don't do those hard hitting. <laughs> Dang on it! So you guys. You said you're making a uh, a bitter mm-hmm. with. Did you say what cereal you guys got? Yes, we got the um, Reese's, Reese's Puffs. Puffs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be my favorite cereal because we actually I got I bought a box because I never tasted it before and I actually had three bowls of cereal this week before I went to work. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that peanut butter chocolate flavor comes through mm-hmm. too. I you know it's, it's well we could have went you know we, I mean, we thought about a couple ways to go. Uh, we could have went porter. We could have went, but we've done a porter before. Uh, we did a brown imperial brown porter the first year we did it. Um, you know, last year we did. I think it was a, uh, a, a, a Belgian brown, double. A Belgian double. Uh, you know, we wanted to go a little bit. We, we thought let's go a little bit lighter. Let's do. Let's think outside the box. Let's not do just a little bit. Go down a, a, a route that you would think you would go. Yeah, it'd be easy to do a, a porter or a brown, brown. With, with with peanut butter and, and chocolate. But we thought so, going right. an English style beer, you're going to get a little bit of a malt backbone. So we're using Maris Otter as our base malt. Um, basically, Crystal 55, that's it for the malt base. Done. Simple. Come back with a little bit of uh, Magnum and then all fuggles at the rest of it for, for your English hops and we're home. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm curious to try it. I need to... Uh, oh, is this it? Is this the wart? I need to finagle a, a, a six-pack of, of bottles from everybody's beers oh, to try on the show. You want to try the wart? There you go. That That's the wart of the beer. Definitely tastes like cereal. What do you think? Oh, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> you could you could drink that alone. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it tastes like like the cereal. <laughs> if that carries completely through at the end, with a, think about a nice little English style hops in oh, that. Yeah, that's no, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you could you really could bottle that and sell it as some kind of like soft drink. <laughs> or as many technical difficulties as we had. This <laughs> I guess we're still doing We overcome, right. we adapt. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I'll let you guys get back to all your technical difficulties. Great. Um, if I can get one or two people from a couple teams. Yeah, yeah, um, I'll ask them. I'll send, see if they come in, yeah. Send, send a person from, from two teams for me. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about what they're doing and how they came up with it. Sounds good, right. sound, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm sure. All right. all right. Thank you, guys. There's no need to be an uptight. Beer, beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today. Right? That is, that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we, uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> Listen to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft.
This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Admissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that crap and crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. It's always awkward and when it's not like we usually record things just kind of straight through, just like you're going to hear it. And it makes yeah. it a little easier. This is uh, this is kind of strange for me. But um, <laughs> so you guys are are you guys all on different teams today? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So let's start out. Everybody introduce yourselves. Tell everybody who you are so you can hear your voice, know who they're listening to. Um, let's start on this end and we'll kind of work right around this one. All right. So I'm Tom Studer. Okay. Pull that in as close to you as we right. can here. Yep. Uh, I might just have to hold that. <laughs> All right. Tom Studer. Go, you know? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> We're figuring it out. <laughs> um, I'm Owen. Owen Mountjoy. I'm Jared Whalen. Perfect. You guys all have very three very distinct voices. Makes <laughs> 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 it easier for everybody listening. Um, so, kind of just. Anybody who wants to kind of jump in for, for stuff, um, feel free. You know, interrupt each other, knock each other away. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, what, uh, what 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 cereal do you guys get first out of your secret ingredients? We got Reese's Puffs. Okay. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Well, we actually got all three of them. So we got the Fruity Pebbles well, in our group. Nice. Too, so that's nice. Got the whole cross group <laughs> there. Did, and what did you guys decide um, as far as a just give us a, a base style to kind of give us an idea of where you're going yeah. with it? So we're attempting a robust peanut butter porter. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going with a, an English style brown ale. 
As I say, once I got through my fit of rage over the fact that I hate Fruity Pebbles, I, yeah. we, we settled on a, uh, a Saison. So it's yeah. sort of going to be Americanized Saison with some hops. Yeah, see, I, I, think, I think Fruity Pebbles can be real fun with some, some later hops <laughs> in there, you know. You know. But, could, there could be some really fun flavors you can get off that, or it could end up horrible. <laughs> it's, uh, it tastes interesting right now. I'll leave it at that. Yep. And an interesting coloring as well. So. <laughs> does, it like a, does it have like a pinkish, brownish <laughs> donkey urine it's or something? A, uh, it's more of a, a neon brown. Like if you took all the highlighters and smashed them together, I think that's about where you would end up. It's actually a good so, like the, the melted unicorn <laughs> poop ice cream uh, kind of deal? We'll see what happens. <laughs> so, how long have you guys all been homebrewing? So this is Tom. I've been brewing about four years. Um, I've been about three years now. So I've been brewing since 2007, so that's going on 11 years now, I guess. Yeah. So have you guys been a part of all of the uh, the Iron Mash events with North Kentucky Homebrewers Guild? Yeah, I've, I've been in all three of them. What about you guys? Um, I've only been two. Two as well. Yeah. Um, what is What is the hard part about it? Is it... Is it the on-the-fly, like, I just have to come up with a recipe really quick? Or do you kind of have some ideas? With, like, to me, cereal is, is one of those ingredients that you might have thought about before as far as things to do. I think this year, for our team, it was pretty good. Uh, last year was a bit different. Um, I think maybe because of recipe development, education, people that have done recipe development before. Mm-hmm. This year, it's like we've got more team members that have done a variety of beers so it's like we could align on two and then we flipped for the final you know? well, that's what i what i noticed when i was kind of walking around and just kind of watching everybody was doing, there, there was no big heated arguments about no. how to do things like it just everybody seemed like do you want us to stage just, something for you <laughs> yeah. it is just beer at the end <laughs> of the day like. face pressed up against the glass or somebody <laughs> just like come out of stone cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, like, I, I said IPA. It, just, it seems like there would be some kind of dissenting opinion with an ingredient. Well, like, I, fruity pebbles. I mean, there's a there's a lot of different ways you can go with something like that. I, you know, it, yeah. We, we, I mean, you show up with the base grains that you've got. You've got two of those, and you've got a couple of yeasts that you've picked that you that you know that you've got your selection yeah. from. So from there. You're you're handed something, and you go, okay, what styles? Right? Yeah. You kind of whittle down the styles that you want. Um, we started talking, you know, where we're going to do something IPA, right? right? The problem is there's like eight weeks until the judging for this. So trying to do like a big IPA or even a session pale ale, like you don't know what the beer is going to be like at judging time. Right. So you kind of you kind of eliminate things based on timing, based on the ingredients that you do have. And, and ultimately come down to two things and everybody just kind of vote, agree, yeah. and then... And then you start developing the recipe for that style yeah. that you're going after. Yeah, I think it, it, it really helps with, as uh, soon as you find out what that special ingredient is, you've just got to try and work with that ingredient of, like, what kind of tastes go with that. Um, myself, I would have, like, with cereal, would have been quite fun to have some kind of milk stout or something, but <laughs> but there wasn't anything else to go with it, but... But yeah, this um, I'd say this year's actually been more challenging than the previous two. Yeah. Uh, the last two times we've done this, we've had three secret ingredients, mm-hmm. and you were able to pick which yeah. ones you wanted to use. You oh, didn't right. have to use all three. So I think we had we had uh, ancho chili. Was it yeah. ancho we had, chili? We had coffees, coffee, and some chipotle peppers That's and right. something else. Uh, ginger, ginger last year, year. Yeah. and you didn't have to use all three. So you're, you're 
got a, a really broad range of things that you can do with three ingredients or one ingredient or two. You get to pick. When, with this one, this one is more challenging because it's just like, here's your cereal. Like, well, take it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the idea, like Iron Chef, I assume you guys have all watched Iron yeah. Chef. Yeah. Is the idea to make the ingredient a star or can somebody get by and do a little better so I kind think, of they hide it a little bit? I think the beer needs to be the star itself because if you focus on that just that special ingredient then you're just going to get overpowered by that and you're not going to enjoy the rest of the beer. Hold on, I, got, I need to go tell my team that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, I mean there, so are, there are a lot of beers that I've yeah. had that have some kind of weird adjunct like that, yeah. that it is That's all, all it about is. that, yeah. and people love it. Yeah, the, so, yeah. yeah I, I would say because this is being judged by BJCP yeah. rules, Ultimately, when you're judging specialty beers in BJCP, it's about making sure the base style is there and Mm -hmm. the base style is solid and that the ingredients that you're adding, the specialty ingredients that are being added, complement that. It's not just that. I mean, because if you have a... If you had an all fruity pebble beer, it might be delicious. But if it all it tastes like is fruity pebbles, and you enter that in a BJCB competition, you're going to get you're going to get that beer. Isn't that that mine and Google's? something the summer weed or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like fruity pebbles. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've had that one. <laughs> I think I loved it when I first had it, but that was probably like making me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. What is it about homebrewing that kind of, you know, attracts each of you? We were talking earlier um, with Dave and Eddie about uh, the different types of homebrewers. You know, you get the, the tinkerers, you get the, the real geeky people, you get the science people. Like, you get all these different types of people that have these different aspects of homebrewing that they're attracted to. What is it for you guys? Um, for myself, I just... I'm a little bit more into the science of, of things. I, I enjoy that, but... Um, I'm still quite fresh and new into homebrewing. Um, like it, it is literally only been three years I've been homebrewing, so I'm still quite young in everything, I would say. Um, and um, it's still quite a lot to learn of complementing or figuring out certain styles. And um, It's fun actually trying to figure out and make these strange beers, but you've still got to know your base stuff. Right good first of all and um and that's what kind of i'm enjoying right now is figuring out my base stuff we had a really great conversation it's, it's been obviously a few episodes with uh, scott from blank slate you know, about that whole idea and how he started and it was dive into those styles and learn those styles yeah. really well and then as soon as you've yeah. got that down yeah. pat give them the middle finger mm-hmm. and then yeah never do them yeah. again do something <laughs> to all of them and yeah. go off of that it's actually uh, interesting you bring up scott because i was actually a kombucha brewer way back and someone said hey scott's looking for somebody that's brewing with kombucha right, right. he wants uh, some scoby um, he wants some scoby so i made up a bunch of scoby and met up with him and then it was like that's it i'm brewing beer too so then i started brewing beer after that so it's kind of interesting that was one of the uh, craziest beers i think i ever had was yeah. that first batch of it and, uh, yeah what do we call it the yeah. I, I always want to say mother funk or something yeah i know that it's sam adams has right. cosmic mother funk yeah, yeah it's like a kettle i don't know if that ends up becoming like a kettle souring experiment what's happened yeah, what happens there but there was yeah. a lot going on yeah <laughs> fun stuff what about you? What is what is your draw to homebrewing? I think it's changed. I mean, initially, it was just like 
you know, drinking a bunch of good beer, and then somebody was like, you know, you can make, you know, I think I saw the Sam Adams long shot competition, and it was kind of like, whoa, you can you can make beer. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and then right it, about that time was was when Jason Roper won here in Cincinnati mm-hmm. too. And yeah. start, when he picked up home brewing, it was, yeah. it was probably the timing was probably when it was a big deal around here, and people were paying attention to it. And it, it, and it, it kind of evolved from there to meeting up with the club right and then it becomes more of a social aspect and then we got into the competition part of it dave dave dixon was huge in competitions and everybody else was entering stuff and it was kind of like, oh cool let's get into what that do you think about that dave guy? sort of start uh, he's, you know it's an all right guy <laughs> oh hi dave after you say after that though you know yeah. doing the competitions you meet up with all these guys you see the all the crazy equipment that people are using and then it becomes sort of a tinkering thing right my background's in engineering so that was sort of a natural like oh this is neat i can build some stuff to make beer and then you get that piece done you're kind of and and now it's just like well now it's now it's about what beer do i want to drink right what do i what haven't i had what can't i get somewhere else and you know it's it's more about the creativity of the brew and the beer at this point and i think that's what's so fun about the hobby is there are those different avenues you can kind of roll down and still be doing the same thing, you know, end up with beer. Yeah. <laughs> you could spend three years just studying water chemistry if you wanted to. I, <laughs> I don't particularly find well, that interesting, but there, and that's, that's the that's the problem that I run into is that there's so many aspects like that about just beer in general that I would love to dive into and, and, and talk about on the show. And it's like, all right, we could do a show on water chemistry. Like, yeah, but nobody's going to Collins, <laughs> John Palmer, so he'll come in and. <laughs> I mean, there's you know. There's a lot of different aspects to, yeah. to everything from, you know, the, you talk about, you know, just the ingredients alone, just the, the, the things behind them. I mean, there's been books written about everything that you can yep. think of. I mean, like, um, our conversation now where, where we are mashing in is the temperature to try and keep your mash at because if you go too high, the, the sugars kind of break up in right. a different way or they don't break up enough. If you go too high with it, it's just too much of a massive strand if you keep it down low too low they don't get enough out of it it's just yeah I, but it's think, fun to learn about i think that. i've sat down with andy reynolds from alexandria probably 40 times trying yeah. to really understand the caution and i still just can't understand it with her life with me there's, yeah. there's things like that that just you know i i, I, I love beer so much and then i Every day I'm like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I know nothing about this thing that I spend so much time every day drinking. Well, the neat yeah. thing is that you don't have to. I mean, at the end of the day, there's like four or five things that are important, and the rest of it's shades of better, right? Yeah, right. Good is very easy to get to, but then it's just a whole bunch of shades of how do you get yeah. better. Right. And, and you can spend all that time on water chemistry, and your beer's going to be, you know, this much, you know, a tiny bit better. And, but you can add all those things up over the years that you learn stuff and, and, and end up with being able to make great beer. It's just where do you want to focus, right? And right. What, how much of your time do you want to spend on it? What right? kind of where, level? Where do, you get the, where do you get the value how, at? How much time will your life let you spend? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of beer that you drink do you, and after you've made it, it's like, that's good for me. Yep. Uh, in, that's what you've got to do is just satisfy yourself, I feel, to be honest. Just if you feel like, okay, that's good for me, I'm happy. Well, and that's that's what's interesting to watch, you know, the guys that have kind of made that jump from from home brewing over to the commercial side, and that that switch from 
here's I'm doing this for me to I'm doing this for all these people yeah. to come in and, and shelter my brewery. Yeah, that that sounds really delicious, but it won't sell. <laughs> yeah. So we can't yes. make that, right? Exactly. That won't make any money. So. Well, thank you guys. I've said we've talked to four of the teams now, so I guess we need to grab the other two teams and uh, and, and make this fair. Right <laughs> and, and I, if I do not get a six pack of a bottle of each of these beers to talk about on the show, there's going to be hell to pay with the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Guild. Well, you should sign up to judge the competition. Yeah. Tell Dave you want to judge That's right. it. I should. All right. That's what you should do to get a taste of them all. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Uh, thank you. You, got, thank you guys are always welcome back on the show. We we um, are going to do well, another so homebrewing month at some point where uh, we really dive into homebrewing. So awesome! Okay. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you very much. You. We'll be back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. And we're back. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Um, I'm now joined. I like that you guys have shirts with your names on them because I don't. <laughs> I'm now joined by Michael and Gabe. <laughs> After too many beers, we need them ourselves. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, tell everybody kind of, yeah, not necessarily a little bit about yourselves, but how did you get into home brewing? How long have you been home brewing? What got you into home brewing, I guess? You know, we were, we've been talking a lot about the, the different sides of home brewing, you know, the tinkerers and the geeks and the science people. And, uh, just tell people kind of... Kind of what gets you here? Yeah, I, uh, I actually started uh, here at the party source. My wife got me an intro to brewing class. So I started extract on the kitchen stove and uh, wanted to go to All Grain. And at the homebrew store, they said, hey, there's a new guild starting. Went to John's house and started from, went, from, went on from there. So have you been brewing three, four years? Uh, about five years now. Five, five six years. Yeah. yeah, I've actually been brewing about ten years now. I started how a lot of guys did. My wife got me a Mr. Beer kit for Christmas, and now she wishes she hadn't after all the equipment, all the ingredients later. But, yeah, she's supportive. Um, so I brewed on my own for a few years, and then I entered Beer and Sweat maybe back in 2012 or so and met some of the guild guys there for the first time. And, I mean, that just opened my eyes to a whole new world of home brewing. And these guys inspired me to do all kinds of new stuff, and been hanging out ever since. I mean, it's a great organization to be a part of. Yep. What I mean, I've talked a lot, I think, on the show even about how I've gotten way out of homebrewing since this thing has blown up here in Cincinnati. So for, for you guys, what keeps you in it? What, what keeps pushing it when you can walk around the corner in almost any neighborhood and get a good beer? It's, it's not the desire for good beer. Right. So what, you know, what is it? I mean, I enjoy the hobby aspect of it. It's something... You know, when I've been busy at work, I can completely shut down and go create a recipe and have four or five hours in the garage and just do something different. Uh, definitely having the, the friendships around it, too. We have monthly brew-outs and, and hangouts and education sessions, just that sense of community as well. I think for a lot of us, <clears throat> we work desk jobs, so it's nice to kind of get in the garage and use your hands and make something from nothing. Make beer. <laughs> of course, yeah. And the end product is beer, and it's awesome. It's, it's not like you're picking up like knitting or woodworking or something like that. There really, like, there's no at better the end hobby. Of the day, it's, it's beer. Right. <laughs> it's, it, it is a fantastic thing to get into. I, 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 I appreciate more and more looking around, seeing the, the tinkering side of things, and seeing what people do to their their brew system over time, and how they're. How they kind of tweak things to make it that better, faster, easier, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's neat, and then see, I'm the opposite. I went simpler, yeah. 
like a lot of guys brewing out there today, yeah, they're into it to make better equipment. That's right. half the battle for them. For me, I went simple. I like the recipe design and uh, the finished product, the creativity of it. Right. I, I'm still making beers that you can't buy anywhere, which is kind of why I got started in this. It's like, I want, I want a hoppy beer that doesn't have a lot of alcohol. So I made one, and then, boom, you got session IPAs, became a trend. Right. But I still love just the creativity of it. So there's so many different aspects. That's what's awesome about home brewing. No matter what part of it you like, there's something for everybody, really. Where do those ideas come from? I draw a lot from just different foods. I like like oatmeal with raisin. Uh, I got a key lime beer, orange cream circle, but sometimes it's seasonal. I mean, Bach Fest is coming up, so today I'm brewing an ice box. I've never done that before. Like, why not? Now's a good time to try that. <laughs> Uh, what cereal did you guys both get? So I got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I got Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebble Ice Block doesn't really sound <laughs> appetizing. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, how much of it is trying to uh, trying to showcase the ingredient? How much of it is trying to find a way to make the ingredients kind of blend into a style? I mean, there's, there's two definite kind of schools of thought, I think, on that. Yeah, so when, when I came up with the recipe, I, I ultimately want to make a beer that I want to drink. Um, so trying to find a cinnamon aspect, you know, you can go dark and make a, a brown or stuff, but those aren't what I like to drink. Uh, so that's you know, the primary driving factor of what I decide to do, is what will I want to sit down and drink five gallons of? Uh, Not at once. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I share it with three other. I got three other guys on my team, so we'll share that out and, and keep enough bottles. But yeah, that's that's ultimately what it is. What beer? When I'm thinking of a recipe, what will I want to have on tap? What will I want to have in bottles um, and drink myself until it's gone? Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I got I try to brew every other week, and I can't drink that by myself. So, what are my neighbors going to like? What's What's something that kind of pushes my envelope? I mean, after 10 years, you've kind of brewed a lot of different styles. Well, and it, that's funny because we were just talking kind of about the same idea a minute ago, and it was the answer was well, when I'm home brewing, I'm, I'm brewing for me. You know, I, I, I don't have to worry about you know something that's brewed for the masses or whatever it is. I'm just brewing what I want. And so it's it's, it's interesting you say that the, the people that are coming over and the people that are kind of sharing it with it's. So I'm, I'm like Gabe. I don't. I barely drink my homebrew. <laughs> I drink little tasters at a time, and then hope the neighbors come bring a growler and fill up, <laughs> so I can brew more. Yeah, so I want to brew again. So note, anybody who wants to, is looking for houses, I'm going to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because clearly that's the place to be. I'm just trying to give it away, man. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see this hobby going in the, the near future, the distant future? Is, the, is it growing? Do you think it's going to shrink up because of the amount of craft beer that is available? I mean, I don't see craft beer taking away from homebrew. I see it adding to it. Um, just the more people get educated in the different types and styles that are out there, the wider variety, and then to find out you can make it on your own. I mean, there's a whole movement of, of foodies who want to create their own style of food and, and do something unique, and that goes hand-in-hand with homebrewing, where you have massively different styles, and you can put your own twist on it and have your own unique product. I think all of our homebrew stores locally here have shrunk in size in the last few years, which is 
what gives me worry about it. Like, Isn't it true that homebrewing is on the decline? I don't know. I, 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 I've never, read that. I, I can't cite my source, but, but I'm pretty sure I've I mean, read that because there's over 5,000 breweries in the country now. If that, people are like, why make them? I can go buy anything I want. Well, you get the people that make it because they can't get it and the people that make it because they enjoy making it. Right. I'm it's, still going to buy local beers, but I'm yeah. going to keep making it. Right. That's not going to stop me. And Even if they make the same style. And if, if it's a, the AHA coming out and saying homebrewing is on the decline, well, I let my membership lapse. So if that's their metric... <laughs> That's not necessarily the most accurate of metrics. Right. I, I, I can see this other side of people who are getting into craft beer first and then from that spawning off some kind of a homebrewing hobby, whereas I think at one time it was you got into homebrewing because you couldn't get something you wanted to drink. And I, I think that's shifting and changing, but I don't know. Among, numbers are you know, among the most active members, I don't think anyone in our field was ever of that mindset. I brew because I can't get a good IPA somewhere. It's they brew because they want to make their own IPA, not to compete with a local craft brewery, but in addition to. All right, it's nice being able to make a beer that pinpoints your exact taste. Yep. I don't like it so bitter, so I'll make it this way, or there's some different ways to go with it. I mean, that makes sense to me, and that's, I think, you know, when, so when I started homebrewing, there, there, there weren't a lot of craft breweries around, and you you were trying to make something that you couldn't get somewhere else and now the part of me that wants to homebrew it's not it's definitely not that that mindset it's something very different it's, you know it, I want to experiment with this that I have tasted I want to, I want to, I want to explore it a little more I, I don't know it, it's you should get back into it. We'd love to have you anytime. I, should. I really should get back into it. I almost sold off all my stuff this, uh, this last summer, and I didn't. So, well, I had a good move. I had a I had a fermenter issue. I, it's a, this is a long story. We don't have a long story. It's an interesting story. So, um, we have mice in the, in the wintertime a lot that get into our house, and I was cleaning out one of the rooms in our basement where all my stuff is stored. And I just kept smelling something. I'm like, what the hell is that smell? And I couldn't find it. I'm like, God, there's a, there's a dead mouse in the wall. And so I was cleaning stuff out to get to the wall to get ready to cut into the drywall to get to this dead mouse just because I couldn't take it anymore. As I'm pulling stuff out, I find a cardboard and there he is right in the bottom, all crispy, stuck right in the corner. <laughs> like, all right, tossing that cardboard. <laughs> Not gonna try to clean that. <laughs> when he was in the carboy, he was in the carboy, wow. like stuck in there. He'd been in there for. A while. Was there beer in that carboy? There was no beer. In the carboy. Uh, so that, that could have been interesting. That's a, you know, I don't think I'd go that far. I tried some weird things, but <laughs> I had a beef ball in my mash once. That's about it for animals. <laughs> um, that would be an interesting article to write. All of the beers we've made with animals in them. Yeah, I'm sure there are a few. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you very much. I am. Um, I'm going to do some finagling. I'm going to try all these beers when they're done, some way. So be a judge. Um, where uh, I'll put you in contact with the guy who's going to organize that. I, uh, and come and judge. I, th- I think that's where I'm leaning. Not, yeah. that I'm, not that I'm a BJCP certified judge or anything, but I like to drink beer. So yeah, yep. you got a palate. I'm, I'm excited to. I'm excited to try them and see what you guys have. They should be interesting. Done. Um, the the two fruity pebbles beers are I think the, the most intriguing to me right now. <laughs> And everything else, Don't count little, on it, everything else you hear it, and it's like, oh yeah, well that 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 sounds like it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs>
he just said that Fruity Pebbles beers are going to be awful. Yeah, so sorry. I read between the lines there. I'm saying that a Fruity Pebbles icebox does not sound like it's going to be the most amazing beer in the world. All right. I'm determined now. This is going to be the best damn beer He has brewed with cereal before. Michael has. So, you know, I'm, I do have I'm some gonna, experience. I'm going to cut him some slack and say it's an interesting concept. And, I, I, have, I have faith. Yeah. <laughs> you, Challenge accepted. From, from, from what I've heard, you are the person to beat this year. Be it the reigning champion, be it, so. be it winning because he won, or be it winning because he came in second place, and <laughs> the winner could not win. Um, sounds like you're the person to beat this year. So, I'm curious. Try it. Thank you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be back. We won't even be back. We're gonna wrap up the show. Since the full sense of cash. <laughs>